name is Ryan Miner. I am your host of a Minor Detail Radio podcast, where the minor details of every story matter. Each week, I talk to Maryland newsmakers, from elected officials, journalists, political candidates, to policy wonks and everyday Marylanders. A Minor Detail podcast is the fusion between Maryland news and politics. Real people, real stories, honest conversation. You can also follow us on the web at aminordetail.com. Sit back, relax, and have fun. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of a Minor Detail Radio podcast. My name is Ryan Miner, and I'm going to be hosting one hell of a rowdy panel tonight. This is the moment we have all been waiting for, us political nutjobs who love to follow this day in and day out, who knock doors, who wave our signs, and who do the podcast, and who spend long nights agonizing over poll results and endless Facebook fights that lead to nowhere but defriend, defriended <laughs> people pissed off. Tonight is the night where we can reconcile it all, and we are here on a minor detail radio with some, some of my great friends in politics who follow closely Maryland politics. Look, I care about the rest of the races happening in America, but Maryland is our home. We care and love this. We care about the state. We love our communities. And I have a great and diverse panel from all over the state. And we're going to introduce them one by one. So my first panelist that we're going to have is Myla. And then I will point out each panelist. And uh, Myla, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Myla Johns. I ran in the primary in District 18 as a Democrat for the House of Delegates this year. And she's awesome. Um, <laughs> okay, next up is Mark McLaurin. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Mark McLaurin. I am the political director for um, Service Employees International Union Local 500, but I'm on the show as myself, private citizen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And next up, Katie Nash. Hi. Good evening, everybody. Another private citizen. I'm a registered lobbyist in Annapolis, but uh, my claim to fame is that I live in Frederick in one of the five uh, drive for five Senate districts in District 3. So I'd love to talk about Frederick politics. And uh, and certainly um, I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a registered Democrat, but I grew up and most recently was a registered Republican. So I'm sort of right there in the middle with everybody else. Okay. Mm-hmm. Next up, Jason. Yes. Just do a brief introduction, Jason. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Okay. Um, my name is Jason Delizio. Uh I've been in politics uh, quite literally all my life. My grandfather uh, worked for five governors. Um, I have worked for Restore Maryland PAC uh, before I, uh, and since then. I've been an activist all over the state. Um, you know, I've been in Annapolis for over 10 years now. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this panel and uh, putting Maryland on the right track. Very good. All right. Amy, you're up. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Amy Spreeder, and uh, I most recently ran for um, the Maryland House of Delegates in District 15 in Montgomery County uh, during the primary. Okay. Uh, Sakab, you're up. 
Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Saqib Ali. I live in Gaithersburg, Maryland, uh-huh. and um, I'm a liberal activist, I, I guess I would call myself. I'm very much interested in international politics, um, in human rights, and how those uh, issues intersect with local politics. Uh, I'm a software engineer. I work for a video game company, and I'm a former Maryland state delegate. Yes. All right. And Kevin Mack. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Kevin Mack here. Ran for delegate in District 15, um, and I currently serve as uh, Congressman Delaney's district director, uh, but I am here in my personal capacity. So uh, none of anything I say is my opinion, not the congressman's. <laughs> that disclaimer, of course, applies to most people who are on this panel today. Um, all right. Yes. And then finally, uh, Hamza Khan. Good evening. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Uh, my name is Hamza Khan. I am a former candidate for state delegate also in District 15 and born and raised in the greatest county in America, Montgomery County, Maryland. Let's have a good night. All right, panel, thank you for coming on tonight. And I know that you're probably anxiously following the Maryland election results. You are closely clicking the refresh button every two seconds on Maryland State Board of Elections website. And so far, far, we have nothing. But, but the AP, the Hill, NBC, and Fox are following the election for Governor Larry Hogan as being reelected against his Democratic opponent, Ben Jealous. However, we have no official election, election results from the State Board of Elections, and we are all anxiously waiting. Myla, let's start with you. You said earlier that the election, uh, the, the election board, they're going to stop, they're going to hold off on election results. What's going on out in Maryland? Apparently in PG County, they ran out of ballots and there are still about a thousand people in line. So they are holding all of the early voting uh, results until they can release, until everyone has already voted. So they put them up for a little bit and then they took them down. And I saw something about Washington County, but I didn't get a chance to check that out to confirm for sure either way. Well, as a Washington of course, Washington County, of course. Uh, so um, let's talk who on the panel, and I'm sure as a, as a show, of, we can't raise our hands because we're on internet radio, but how many of you in, were at the different polling locations? So not all at once. So let me see how we can do this. Mark, did you make your way out today to some of the polling locations or did the rain keep you inside? Oh, no, no, no. I'm at CIU, <laughs> neither rain, snow, sleet, or hail. No, I was at at least 12 or 14 polling locations today. And what is what was happening on the ground? What were you hearing, and what were the sentiments that people were expressing who were going to vote? Well, there there was extremely heavy turnout, especially in, in, in Baltimore City. Of course, it's all relatively speaking, but, you know, in 2014, for the general election in Baltimore City, like, you could hear a rat piss on cotton. And 2018 <laughs> is certainly not the same thing. I mean, there, there, was, there was definitely a lot of vitality, a lot of energy, people getting folks um, to the polls, people driving up with van loads of people, people taking the seniors. There was definitely much more of a field operation in place 
at least on the part of Ben Jealous, in, in, especially in Baltimore City and in Prince George's County, um, than there was four years ago. Katie Nash, you spent your day where exactly in, in Maryland? So I am in the city of Frederick, this little, this little bubble that we like to uh, call ourselves in uh, the great red sea that is Frederick County. But uh, I, was, uh, I had a couple polling places that I uh, was visiting, and certainly it was busy. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I, I'd say it was, it was certainly indicative. I, I kind of compare it to more of like a presidential year kind of turnout. I didn't think it was crazy. Like I kind of was there in the morning and in the, in the, in the lunchtime, and then, of course, when folks were getting off work, and it was definitely steady. Um, and it was elevated, but it wasn't. Um, I, I heard stories of other people waiting in these long lines, and I didn't. I didn't see that firsthand, but I did hear from my compatriots here in Frederick that there were some. There were some lengthy lines. So, um, Katie, you were following two big. You were following two close races in Frederick that I believe the rest of this panel is also following. One is the state senate race, which is being targeted by the Republicans in Annapolis, what's called the drive for five, to overturn five Republican, to turn over five Senate seats to the Republicans in Maryland to uh, secure a veto proof. And so one of those seats is District 3, which is Ron Young, and he's facing a guy by the name of Craig Giangrande, who is a Democrat. And there is another big race, and that is the county executive race, and that is our friend Kathy Abzali, um, who was on her fifth scotch, I can report. And, uh, and then we also have Jan, Jan Gardner, who is the current county executive seeking re-election. Katie, what are you hearing about these two races? <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> it's early in the evening. Ask me in a couple hours. Now, um, you know, so, so I think, you know, the, the majority opinion in Frederick and I think elsewhere was that it was Jan Gardner's to lose. Um, Jan is very well respected. She was sort of a, a safe bet in terms of, you know, she, she didn't, make, didn't make a lot of waves. You know, she sort of was our first, you know, our first county executive and so a caretaker after a very contentious Blaine Young election. And if everybody remembers Blaine Young, you know, Frederick is, is famous in a lot of ways. Um, oh, but, yeah, yeah, just the gift that keeps on giving. But that being said... You know, I, I think that I, I've been kind of in the minority here in that as folks were talking about a blue wave and sort of projecting this, you know, tsunami of, of you know, um, the great progressive values descending upon Maryland, I, I, I don't I, – I sort of have been in the minority there and, and sort of urging caution, I guess, is my, is my most um, – and, and Kevin Mack and I actually had a chance to talk earlier this morning, and after I get done my spiel, maybe it would be yeah. appropriate to go to Kevin – um, because I don't, I don't sort of see this, this walk on election that, that some folks have been saying, I'm, I've been kind of sort of thinking that, that Kathy has actually a pretty decent shot at this. And if you look at our registration in Frederick County, we're certainly not an open book, um, open shut sort of a Republican democratic, you know, breakdown, but Republicans right. still outweigh Democrats here. So I don't know. All right. So Maybe let's go. Let's go down to Southern Maryland, and to, I'm going to go over to Jason. Jason, you have been at several polling locations today, you told me, in an offline conversation. What is happening in Southern Maryland? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? And what's the uh, scoop on the ground? Uh, well, you know, Southern Maryland is 
Charles, Calvert, and St. Mary's counties. And uh, I'm going to start with Charles because that's the most interesting and uh, most volatile. Uh, you know, Mac Middleton lost the primary to uh, unknown candidate named Arthur Ellis. Huge upset. And it, it was, I mean, there was, I mean, everyone was upset, and and they don't, they just didn't understand. Um, <clears throat> I know at the uh, early voting polls, mainly in Waldorf, there was um, uh, some people getting physical. There was, um, you know, there was a lot yeah, of yelling and screaming. Um, you know, yeah, it, it was it was voter intimidation. Um, it just it's just gotten completely out of hand. It's very tense. Um, it's very, in some cases, racially motivated. Uh, I've I've just never seen anything like it in my entire life involved with politics. Um, you know, on for the local races, it's been pretty much quiet since the primary. You know, a Republican has not been elected in Charles County in um, oh, going on 20 years, and you know, it, after the primary, we pretty much had the commissioners in Charles, and everyone switched to the state senate race. And um, um, and now, as of tonight, I haven't heard too much. But when I talked to people at the polls earlier, you know, they were uh, it was, mainly La Plata in the western side of the county was all for a guy named Bill Dotson. Um, you know, Bill has been an entrepreneur all his life. Great guy. Uh, you know, very. Um, uh, motivated to help other people. And then in Waldorf, you get a little bit of Bill Dotson and you get a lot of Arthur Ellis. Um, I told someone that, you know, I'm not really a fan of Arthur Ellis. I don't, I never met him. He hasn't showed up to any of the debates and I was called a racist mm-hmm. just because I said I didn't like him. You know, well, um, let's move over you know, to Amy Frieder, who has been following the Montgomery County races. And we'll come back to you in just a second. Jason, Amy, you have been following really, Montgomery County politics, but you've been making your way to several different precincts and polling locations. What are the big races in Montgomery County that everybody should be tuned into, not only on our panel, but the rest of the state of Maryland? Um, well, today I spent uh, the whole day at my at my own precinct, actually, which is um, Summit Hall Elementary School. It's um, okay. in my district. It's 15. And um, I found it interesting because this this precinct isn't one of the, um, you know, target, very, very traditionally high turnout uh, precincts in the district. It's mostly, um, you know, apartments in Rockville, um, and a lot of of young people live in the area. So I was looking forward to, you know, seeing if if it would seem like there's higher turnout among, uh, you know, young people, young professionals, and um, it definitely seems like it was it was pretty you know pretty busy throughout the day. No crazy long lines in the rain, um, but it was it was pretty good. Um, if, as far as races within Montgomery County to watch, I think many of us are looking at the county executive race um, because uh, in in particular this race had a very strong um, independent um, candidate and Nancy Florian. Um mm-hmm. and you know normally this this race. You know, if it were just between a Democrat and a Republican, then the, then the Democrat, um, you know, would would have a huge advantage, and it would not be too competitive um, for the for the most part. And so, um, you know, Mark Elrich um, won the the primary by a very very small margin. Um, we, you know, I uh, and David Blair was 
was the second place finisher in the, in the primary there. Um, but then when Nancy Florian jumped in, it um, after the primary, I think that um, you know kind of shook things up a little bit. And Saka, you are following some congressional races, in, not only in the sixth district but really around the state. Aside from the sixth race that I hope you that you will uh, quickly detail. Are you following any of the other congressional races? Are any congressional races outside of the six competitive? Um, in Maryland, I mean, you know, there's some talk about uh, the first district with uh, Jesse Colvin against um, Andy Harris, but that would only be if there was like a massive wave, blue wave across the country, then that seat could have flipped. Um, and I'm, lo- I'm watching, you know, yeah. I have one eye on, on the national picture. And that's not happening. I mean, Democrats might take the House, um, but it would be close, uh, and they may not take the House. And certainly, if they take the House, they'll get it with you know, 23, 24, 25, 26 seats, not the 50, 60, 70 seats that would put Andy Harris in danger. So he's pretty safe. Um, and frankly, David Trone uh, is, is pretty safe, um, is easily going to walk into that House, uh, house seat. Um, the the well, bigger part for him was the primary. Years ago, most of us, or many of us, or some of us, were following closely Nate Silver's needle that was bouncing back and forth all night. And so I am thinking that the Democrats are probably – but wouldn't it be interesting if they actually lose the House and the Republicans maintain their majority by only a few seats? I don't know if it was – overestimated, but we are seeing some trends happening, and we are unsure about what's happening in Florida right now. could very well be that Andrew Gillum and uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, that race could quickly be decided in DeSantis' favor. In fact, I think that that's what it's breaking, and we already saw that the Indiana race was called for uh, Joe Donnelly's uh, Republican opponent, so the, the Republicans have already Seat. Big. Um, and it was a big. It was a big. And Ryan, Ryan, this is Hamza Khan. I want to jump in real quick. Yeah, here please, Hamza, take over. There. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to jump in here real quick and talk about national politics. We just had six minutes ago break on CNN. Joe Manchin has retained his Senate seat in West Virginia. Uh, that was a tough uh-huh. race, as we all know. That is coal country. Donald Trump has been talking about coal country as if it's you know it's going to it's going to be the promised land for all of us, and that he's the Messiah to take us there. So that's an important win for the Democrats. <laughs> it's not likely that Democrats are going to take the Senate. I think that that's, um, that's a, a that different kind gone. of peace pipe you've got to be smoking somewhere out in Kentucky. But it is still likely the Democrats are going to pull off maybe a one- or two-seat win uh, in terms of, of taking back the House. Now, what that means, if you ask me, for Democrats going forward is this. They're going to have to govern from the middle, even if they don't want to, but they have – been able to prove, if they can take back the House, that decentralizing power away from the D-trip is the way to go, and the DNC is the way to go going forward. The Democratic Party will be more of a confederation. It will be defederalized, and the Republican Party will continue to have one overwhelming message at the national level, which is that they are the white party of the country. Now, I'm not saying white nationalists, I'm not saying white supremacists, but the white party. That's the one unifying issue, keeping Republicans together this election. Two points I want to make and two breaking news. The Tennessee Senate race between Phil Bresden and Marsha Blackburn 
has been called for the Republican Marsha Blackburn. No surprise there. She was up in the poll. I know at one time the Democrat was, uh, I believe, about a month or so ago, maybe two months um, before the Kavanaugh hearings happened. I think Bresden was up, and CNN has just called the Tennessee race, the Tennessee United States Senate race, for Marsha Blackburn, who was a member of the House of Representatives um, for quite some time. And we can't forget our home state, what it's all about here on Maryland politics. U.S. Senator Ben Cardin has defeated Tony Campbell, the Republican, Simon, the independent, to win re-election and will be going into his third term in the United States Senate. And some say, Mark and Myla, some say that this could be Ben Cardin's last term. Myla, what say you? Uh, I think if this is Ben Cardin's last term, we're going to see a bloodbath between John Sarbanes and Jamie Raskin. Yes, we will. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, so, Mark McLaren, where does the FDIU fall down, or where will progressives go in that race? Well, I, I let's let's do one thing at a time. Um, first of all, congratulations to my friend Ben. Second of all, I think it's almost certain this is Ben's last term. I mean, he's you know, I know I know Ben and his wife Myrna well, and I know that she is ready for retirement. And so I think he he was probably able to finagle one last term out of her, but I know that she's ready for him to come home. I'd be shocked if he ran for yet another six year term six years from now. Um, I think it's difficult um, to predict. Uh, I think it's difficult to predict who will be in the race six years from now. Um, uh, between Jamie and JP, um, I, I'm not, I'm not even really sure Jamie wants to be a Senator. Um, but if it was obviously ideologically, we're probably a little bit more aligned with Jamie than with JP, but that would be, you know, an interesting matchup to watch. But I, uh, I would find it hard to believe that in a state like Maryland, the next U S Senate seat that comes open, you're going to see two white men fight over it. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, well, I want to make I a quick programming note. Here. I want to make a quick programming note just for a minute. Um, Kevin Mack has signed off. He is driving around, and God knows we're going to sign back on in a minute. But you're, that's a good point, Mark. Um, we are desperately looking for a federal delegation um, that is diverse. And right now, I think it's going to maintain the same. Uh, it's going to maintain same the, the same racial makeup. It's going to maintain the same male versus female, which there is, there are no female. Relation. Nope. Of course, our long, Not long time Senator Barb, long time Senator Barb was, uh, you know, she was the golden standard. And when she stepped aside, of course, Van Hollen uh, won that seat uh, two years ago. So here we are looking at all of these different races. And I'm interested in some of the statewide Senate races. And that is an interesting phenomenon that Republicans are spending money, resources, heavily targeting some of the state, uh, the state Senate seat, five to be exact. And Jason, mm-hmm. tell us about those races. Uh, the, you know, when it pertains just to Southern Maryland with the state Senate, it's been a bad year for incumbents. You, in Charles, you had uh, Mac Middleton lost the primary. And in St. Mary's, you had uh, one-term freshman Senator Steve Wall lose his primary to a uh, DNR officer. Um, you know, people are tired of, 
a lot, especially some of the man, people are tired of the same old thing. You know, uh, when they make their mind up, they want to change. Something's going to change. And, you know, the drive for five that we've all been hearing about, you know, Hogan wants a veto-proof General Assembly. And they, I mean, they've spent, in Charles, with uh, Bill Dotson's campaign, uh, you know, the Republican Party has spent thousands upon thousands of dollars, the same over in St. Mary's County with Jack Bailey. You know, and it's it's so tight right now. There's so much tension in both counties between just in the state Senate alone has dominated more than the gubernatorial race. Uh, I talked to someone uh, this afternoon in St. Mary's County, and they didn't even know that Hogan was up for reelection because everyone was talking about this, the state Senate race and, and, you know, some little county races. Uh, this person literally had no idea that the governor was going to be elected tonight or reelected. You know, and they they want Hogan to uh, the people I did talk to who knew about who understand. You know, 99.9 percent of people who know the governor was up for reelection. Um, Democrats. Uh, I talked to some people at Democratic tents that were passing out Democratic ballots. Said that they voted for Hogan. You know, um, they want Hogan to win. They want the state senate to go in his favor. Let's talk about these races, Zach, and I'm going to bring you in in just a second. Here are the races the Republicans in this, in this, down in Annapolis are targeting. District 8, Kathy Klausmeyer. This is the Baltimore mm-hmm. County District. It barely went for Hillary Clinton in 2016. This is an interesting race, and I think Kathy could be the most vulnerable. Then there's the District 38, Jim Mathias, who is a longtime representative and is actually – tried to cater to Larry Hogan's brand. In fact, there was a skirmish scandal in them running ads to say Jim Mathias is agreeing with Larry Hogan on these issues, and it was unheard of for the Democratic machine to run ads like that. Then we have District 3 that we already talked about with State Senator Ron Young up in Frederick County. And then, of course, we go to one of the biggest races that all of us are following when John Assel an asshole. I'm sorry. I'm I'm losing my mind tonight. <laughs> when when the Senator John from District 30, when he said <laughs> when he decided to run for mayor unsuccessfully uh, of Annapolis, of course, then you had Ron George, who was a former in the Republican primary in 2014 with Larry Hogan, and he and Sarah. Sarah is the girl of the night, the gal of the night. We are all watching this. Sarah Efrath, she could be the next state senator in District 30. And then, of course, there's District 32 that we're watching, District 12. So am I missing anything? What do, what do we have to talk about with some of these races? Hamza, you've been following these races. What do you think? So but what I can tell you is that Sarah Elfrid's run one of the best campaigns in state history, even if she doesn't make it uh, tonight. You know, she shot for the moon. She's going to end up with the stars. She's someone to watch for the uh, upcoming election cycle four years from now, and I think she's going to be a fantastic candidate here and in the future. And the other races, look, you, you talk about Jim Mathias. Jim has always been known as kind of the rogue Democrat with a, a bit of a, Jim, a John McCain streak to him in terms of being a little bit more to the right than everyone would like going off on a maverick streak here and there. Uh, but he's a good, you know, he's, he's, he's a solid blue guy when it counts for most of the time. So it's going to be oh interesting God. to see whether or not his district has changed that much in the last four uh, years or the last eight years. 
But people are really tired of the Martin O'Malley administration style of ramrodding a liberal agenda down their throats or not. And by the way, that's removing my personal opinion about liberal politics. I'm a progressive all the way. So that's something to keep in mind over there. Let's just see what's going on. Now, I want to jump back to Charles County for a second, talk about that, because your, your other guests made some really good points. Um, we haven't seen a Republican ele- get elected in, in Charles County in 20 years. This is very true. However, in the past 20 years, Charles County has changed dramatically. It went from being mm-hmm. a semi-rural place where Waldorf and La Plata were the two um, large settlements. I grew up in, in Charles County as a young boy. Um, and now Indian Head Highway, as I understand it, is completely developed all the way up and down. You've lost all those beautiful fields that we had um, going between Bryantown yep. and Waldorf. And that, that yep. really speaks to what's been going on in terms of the different classes that have been moving in. A lot of folks who are middle class, upper middle class background went two ways. If they had more of an independent libertarian streak, they went towards Calvert County. If they were looking more towards a liberal Clintonite streak in the 90s, they moved to Montgomery County. And that's changed the area a lot as well. So the folks who are left there now in Charles County and the folks who've moved in, they come from two very different worlds of politics. You have a very an older, rustic, white background uh, voting population and a very large minority African-American large population that's more on the liberal side. And they haven't been able to jive well. So it'll be interesting to see, even if tonight the Democrats hold Charles County, what's the future for mm-hmm. Charles going forward and for Southern Maryland once the Steny Hoyer generation of Democrats are done with their era? It is It is 9.30 p.m. on the East Coast, and it is 9.29, actually, I should clarify, in the city of Gaithersburg, where I am located. And, Sakab, we are at a pivotal time in Maryland history where it looks like – and I'm going to break some news right now. I am getting an election update on my Twitter that hashtag MarylandMDPolitics, and all of you on the panel and who are listening can follow this particular hashtag. I'm getting a report that Larry Hogan has apparently won PG County 52 to 47. And that's just a tweet that somebody had sent out. I haven't seen the numbers, but if that is true, that's 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 absolutely ludicrous. I don't know who, we should be careful about reading tweets. I can guarantee you that didn't happen. well, Actually, that's not that hard to believe. That's not that hard to believe. If, if it's true, yes, it I've seen I've yes, seen a no lot chance. of posts by Democrats in Prince George's County, members of the Prince George's County Democratic Central Committee that are dead set against Mike Miller being reelected, and hmm. people are tired what, of the establishment. What, is, um, you know, no, and, that, what does that have to do with Ben Jealous and 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 yeah. Larry? It, it, it doesn't make sense that Charles County or Prince George's County is changing. People, people won't change. I think right. if you look so, at the eastern and my, the incumbent governor is Larry Hogan. Point. No, Ryan, yeah, there's absolutely no chance. No, there's absolutely no chance. You heard it here first. I'm not sure whose Twitter handle that is, but Larry Hogan did not win Prince George's County. Didn't come within 20 points of winning Prince George's County. As but far as we know, that. only 3% of the votes have come in so far, Ryan. This is Hamza Khan again from Prince George's yeah, County. Cool. If we look at the eastern and northern sections of that county, it is possible that uh, that Governor Hogan would carry those. They are more rural. They are a little bit more tired of the Democratic establishment. However, it is not likely, given the overall breakdown of that county, given the people who live there, given how strongly they've stood with Democrats in the past, that Larry Hogan would carry it 
unless there's a huge upset against the entire Democratic machine, in which case anyone on the panel here who is a Democrat and has worked within the party has to ask what the hell went wrong with the Democrats. Yeah. Mm. Uh, right. Let's bring in some of the... The, uh, the guys have had their take for a few seconds and moments here, so I want to bring back in uh, Myla, Amy, and Katie. Okay, is it the year of the woman, Myla? Is this the year that women come out and say, no more? We're tired of Trump. We are so – I mean, yeah. look. Go ahead, Myla. I think a lot of us really thought it was going to be, and I hope, I hope to God that Sarah – Elfris, I always pronounce her last name wrong. I'm so sorry, Sarah. I've known her for like a decade, so I have no excuse. Pulls it out in District 30. Overall, I don't know how much of that was us talking ourselves into what we wanted to believe versus the actual outcome. Mm. Okay. Amy Frieder, do you agree with that? What about Aruna Miller, who ran in District 6's Democratic primary? What happened? What happened there? Um, Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to agree that, um, you know, it's not so much the year of the woman as we hoped it would be in terms of um, successful candidates winning elections. I mean, there were, um, you know, across across the border looking at Virginia, there were some amazing Democratic women who were challenging Republicans, and it looks like, um, you know, they're not going to be successful in the swing district. And um, in Maryland, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was that was a really tough congressional race. There were lots of candidates. I personally think that if it were David Trone versus Aruna Miller, if it were just a one-on-one competition, then I think Aruna probably would have won in that situation. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's tough. I, uh, I I brought this up to you um, maybe a week or two ago, Ryan. But looking a little bit more um, locally, I noticed that of the um, state delegation within Montgomery County, so District 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, um, 39. If you look at the delegations, including the senators and the House of Delegates candidates, assuming um, you know, the, the Democrats all win, we're actually going to have gender parity. And um, probably for the, for the first time, I looked a little bit in the past, and um, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like we've, we've had gender parity before. So of the eight senators, um, three will be women, um, but then that's balanced out by um, of the 24 delegates um, you know, 13 will be women. So out of the out of the 32, it'll be 16 and 16, and that's pretty cool. Yep. Okay. Uh, you're the woman. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a I have mixed feelings about this. I think that I think that if we've learned anything over the last let's just say three months, I think we've learned that it's a little bit more complicated. In the sense that, you know, women that I talk to that are, um, you know, as I increasingly enter into the, you know, I'm 36, it's true, you'll never hear me admit it again, but, um, you know, as I, as I sort of enter into this, like, you know, mom slash older woman, uh, you know, bracket, I've had some shocking conversations about the Brett Kavanaugh hearings that, 
you know, I think there were some assumptions about reactions to that that did not hold true. And so, you know, I've, I've been at parties where I've talked to women about it and, you know, you're hearing things like, well, I'm, I'm worried for my sons. Right. And so I, I, I don't want to get into that. I think that's off topic, but I just, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm reflecting that I think, I think we tend to oversimplify in that, you know, oh, women will see women at the top of the ticket and therefore we'll vote for women. And I don't, I don't think that's holding true. And I think that we need to be careful about sort of assuming that, that that's the, you know, that's the end all be all for us. Okay. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the county executive races that we're following and some of the interesting races that I have keeping a close eye on, of course, is the Montgomery County race that Amy brought up earlier between Mark Elridge, the Democrat, Nancy Florian, the, the uh, Democrat turned independent, soon to be Democrat, I don't know, and then Robin Ficker, who is notorious for being a sports heckler. Um, and then we have Stuart Pittman down in Anne Arundel County versus the incumbent. And then, of course, we go north to Baltimore County, we have Johnny O, Al Redmer, who is in the Hogan cabinet as the insurance commissioner. All right. So, Mark, you're close to Baltimore County. You're a Baltimore City guy. What's going to happen over in Baltimore County with the executive race? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you still there, Mark? I, I can jump in real quick and tell you the numbers. 63,000 have somehow, somehow come in for uh, Johnny O. And Al Redmer is holding at 37,955. 62 to 37 advantage to the Democrat Johnny O so far with 5% reporting. Okay. And the numbers are where can they be found? Just in case anybody's listening. <laughs> is that you, Hamza? Who just... That was me. Uh, reporting okay. from WTOP. Oh, WTOP. Did we lose Mark McLaren? He is a he's a ball of fun tonight. Where is he? he no, no, I'm, a, I'm I'm here. I just, I just had it on mute. I've been writing down oh, okay. all of these things I wanted to say because I didn't want to interrupt okay. anybody. Well, I I want to get you. A, I want to give you a chance to get to hear your perspective since you're you know you've been following this kind uh, of race over in Baltimore County. What were the, some of the issues at stake, and did Al Redmer ever really have a chance uh, to, to no. win this? No, no, no. Baltimore County executive's race was never going to be close. The contest was in the primary. Um, county is just an overwhelmingly Democratic jurisdiction. It was run by Larry Hogan, but it was also won by Barack Obama twice and Hillary Clinton O'Malley twice. It's just the default position in Baltimore County is going to be for the Democrats. So you, there has to be something wrong, basically, with the Democrat to elect the Republican as the Republican as the county executive. And there's nothing wrong with Johnny O. So right, right. And um, to piggyback I, I never, on that, I, I, uh, I agree with Mark's assessment on this, but you're going to see okay. a lot of ballot splitting up there in Baltimore County when it comes to the governor's race. These are folks who fall into the quote-unquote liberal center-left category of the Democratic Party who are voting in Baltimore County. And so they feel comfortable in their minds with the direction Larry Hogan is taking Maryland um, versus folks who are down south here in the Montgomery County, Prince George's County area who fall more in the progressive camp and are going to stick with Ben Jowles no matter what happens is the logic the Democrats have had, but we'll see if that's true in Montgomery in particular. So there, um, there's one other thing I wanted to say 
um, uh, yeah, Ryan, that we smart. were talking about with Charles County, and that is that the, I mean, we can, we can cover it over any way we want to, but the deal with Charles County is that it's changing because it's becoming more African American, and African Americans want to yeah. vote for an African American candidate, and so now that the African American has won the Democratic primary, all of a sudden white Democrats are saying, "Oh well, maybe I'm a Republican now," whereas. Black Democrats have been voting for white Democrats for years down there. Yeah. Very true. I, I, and I, I want to mention, I want to go over to Jason, a race that I have been following and that I'm really excited about is Angela Alsobrook. She is, I'm telling you, listen, heed, this, heed my words tonight. She's going to be a future great and the Democratic Party in Maryland. In fact, so much so, I believe she's going to be a frontrunner for the Democratic nomination in 2022. Jason, have you been following the PT County race? I've been following it some. Um, I, I've been mainly focused on uh, state races, but I mean, I, I do have to agree with you. Um, you know, I've, I've seen her at numerous events for years, and you know, I think that she is the new face, or she will become the new face of the Maryland Democratic Party. Um, I mean, she is a force to be reckoned with, and you know, from what I've heard from some friends in, in uh, PG County, you know, they essentially they think she's the second coming for the Democratic Party, especially well, in the in the era of Hogan. Well, she is certainly somebody that has a bright future in Maryland. I've seen her in action, and I think she is the most formidable rising star in the in state politics and you know what it's prince george's county is it's tough it is a tough county and we know that and you know god bless Rasharon baker um and i don't always agree with Rasharon, and uh you know uh it's 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 interesting so you know i don't know i don't know what to think um but i'm looking at the state race and anybody can jump in here I got to say, I agree with you about Angela also, Brooks. I think she is a rising star and she's going to have a bright future. And I think if she wants to be the front runner for governor, she will be in 2024. Ryan, I want uh, to. Uh, 2022. Please. Sorry. Please. Yeah, I wanted to quickly talk about uh, two more executive races. Uh, yeah, one uh, is uh, please. the uh, Howard County executive race with Alan Kittleman. Uh, and Calvin Ball, and um, yeah. I, I haven't. I don't know what the results are on that so far, uh, but my sense was that Kittleman had a very comfortable lead, and you know he's um, he's such a survivor, and you know he's a Republican, uh, but he's got this brand where he's not seen as a as a Tea Party guy or a ideologue, and he gets crossover votes. So it'll be interesting to see um, how much you know if he wins and how much he wins by. Um, he's very much like a, you know, a Hogan Republican, which drives Democrats crazy because he gets elected in places like Howard County. The other um, county executive race is Montgomery County, and they had posted earlier results, the early vote counts uh, for Montgomery County on the website, but then they took them down. But while they were still up, I saw them, and uh, basically Elrich is leading Nancy. It's like 79 for percent for Mark Elrich, 19% for Florine, and 11% for Robin Picker. So Mark Elrich, 
will crush Kansas City. Uh, um, oh, okay, maybe. Uh, it, it, it maybe maybe yeah sorry sixty nine sixty nine nineteen and eleven, but basically okay. Mark Elrich was, was uh, crushing crushing Nancy Florian and it wasn't even close. So that's going to be yeah. you know interesting because I, I predict that a situation that could happen. And look, right. go ahead. I'm sorry, Zach. No, I was just saying you know okay so that that isn't the you know tight race Hello? that some people are hoping. Yeah, that isn't the tight race that some people were hoping it would be. Uh, and Mark Mark Elrich is going to walk to easy victory. And, you know, last night, Brian, to jump in. This is Hamza Khan. I wanted to give a quick update again. We're, we're getting a, a report right now that the Democrats have lost a seat in the Senate in Indiana. Joe Donnelly has been defeated by white nationalist Mike Braun in Indiana, which is a huge blow to the Democrats in the Senate so far. But they are holding the House right now with two seats plus the Republicans. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Mike Bronze, a white nationalist? I don't know anything about the Indiana Senate race to comment, but I will say that I'm honestly surprised that the early voting numbers were so biased in favor of Mark. I mean, I support Mark. I voted for Mark. But in Montgomery County, I really thought um, Nancy Florine was going to make a bigger impact. Hmm. She made an yeah, impact it, with developers. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I, think, I think what you saw is people coming out and voting straight ticket Democrat because of Donald Trump. In Montgomery County, and for everyone I talked to, it was this election was about Trump and sending Trump a message, and the way you did that was by voting for the Democrat, regardless of who it was. And Nancy well, Florine got caught up in that, I think. Well, in Montgomery County, they vote Democrat because they're Democrats, and they didn't have a reason. Right. Nancy Florine didn't give them a reason not to vote Democrat. You know, I'm not sure why anyone's mystified that it wasn't close. Uh, that that was never going to be a race. There could have been a candidate, perhaps, that could have made this a race, but it's not Nancy Florine. I mean, she's got the, you know, she's got the charisma of a lukewarm cup of water. I mean, she's not going to take, she's not going to. As an independent, you have to, you have to, you have to snatch people's attention. Nancy is not that kind of gal. So, I, you know, she was. This was always a fool's errand for her. But I'm glad that the business community spent as much money on her as they did. Huh. Well, that's fascinating because I am also looking at the Montgomery County race of the county council seats. And let me ask you this, Amy. Are we surprised and and concerned that – and we talked about this. There's only one female among the nine men on the county council. Is that a problem? I mean, this is an issue that we're seeing everywhere. I mean – before we were talking about, um, you know, who's going to run for Senate when Ben Cardin retires. And we don't have women, you know, stacked up uh, at the lower benches, you know. We don't, we need to, um, you know, have more women at all levels of government because that's how we'll have more qualified women who are ready to run for Senate. If you don't have any women who represent 
any part of Maryland in the House of Reps, then how are we going to, um, you know, support a a well-qualified woman to run for the Senate um, or for governor or for any of the higher offices? So it's important to have women at the at the local levels and county councils and uh, you know all all other local levels, um, and we can build from there. Look, I think the Good Old Boys Network came out in full force in Montgomery County this time. I don't know enough to comment on any of the other county council races in other counties, but there were, what, 42 people in the primary, and we ended up with four men in the at-large. I mean, that's just... to the... To their credit, two of those men are not white. Um, or let, you know, that, that I think does speak well for the county. We elected our first African immigrant uh, to be a Democratic nominee to county council at large, and presumably he's going to win his, his election. Uh, he also has, uh, his family happens to be Muslim, which is actually a, a very strong message to the Muslim community. Yeah, the county. Will, Will's not an African immigrant. He was born here, but I, I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, he's well, that, that, I mean, he's of African immigrant heritage, and I don't think that he's ever said otherwise in, in, in front of African immigrant crowds. No, 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 no he, he is of – he's absolutely he's, – he's biracial. He's absolutely of African heritage, but so am I. I mean, I, don't, I think we should be careful about throwing around <laughs> the word immigrant, and he's not one. And look, every no, black person the first LGBT – council member going to be great yes but women are 50 well, yeah, percent I mean, of the population no i agree with you milo but we have to own the fact that the field of women wasn't exactly the strongest i mean you had brandy oh, no. and danielle you know and <laughs> and i think um the woman <laughs> from the board of ed she would have been great but she got in so late you're, you're talking about yes. department house correct yes yeah, that would have been a very yeah, competitive candidate, but she decided like the day before. Yeah, I think Marilyn Bobson is going to win one day. I think she's going to be on the county council one day. She has a lot of support up county, Marilyn Bobson. But the problem in Montgomery County is that up up county votes don't get you elected. <laughs> no, never well, they, 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 they will eventually, Mark. They will eventually. Huh? Uh, well, also, this, this is Craig Rice's last term, so you have to think about who's, who's going to run in District 2. Yeah. Oh, no, that's what, We're definitely going to see a race there. And what I don't think panel, Tacoma Park voted for a quarter. Chamber of Commerce official. Well, panel, let me jump in here for a second, and, yeah. um, and let me just point out that Craig Rice, is up for – I believe this is his last term that he can run for because he will be term-limited out. And so what's going to happen next, Marilyn Balcom will be the heir apparent to that seat. I guarantee you. That is a seat that she absolutely – I can see her already launching a campaign for. And why not? I believe she came in fifth place in the, uh, in, uh, in, in the, in the county council race. So, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll have look. We're already talking about races in 2022. Can you believe that the race starts now? 
I mean, can you? It's just it's remarkable well, how we don't have we're any focused. results in from this one. We got to speculate about something. <laughs> I know, and I'm so I'm so disappointed because I I can't <laughs> seem to get any results coming in. But panel, let's talk about let's talk about the governor's race. That is on everybody's mind. That's what everybody is following. And so, what? Let's break the race down from day one. All right. So let's start. <laughs> with Katie Nash up in Frederick County who has been following this governor's race just like all of us have since, I don't know, two years ago. When Ben Jealous got in, Katie, did you think that since day one, did you think that he had a shot at winning the nomination? I, I think that you can't, I think that in Maryland, I mean, you know, I'm a long-term I've been here all my life. So I, I think that to say that I never, I never thought that Ben Jealous or any Democrat had a shot would be, would be foolhardy. But what I, but I will say that when Ben Jealous indicated early on that Frederick was not really going to be in play, I sort of felt like that was a massive mistake. Um, you know, Anthony Brown knew, you know, when he ran that Frederick wasn't going to necessarily be strong for him, but certainly he was active and up here and, campaigned like he still wanted votes out of Frederick County. Um, you know, I, I, I think I think they really shot, you know, the down-ballot races. I think the county executive race and Ron Young's race would have benefited from a stronger campaign. So, you know, for me, that was an early sign that things were in trouble. Um, and just quite frankly, the, the mechanics of the campaign, I felt that, you know, watching the Benjellis campaign come together it never sort of materialized. I mean, basic things like how they coordinated their press. And I'm not even talking about their messaging. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the, the boots on the ground and the bodies in the, in the field. I mean, it, it just never, you know, out here, David Trone had a very organized operation. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I can't say that. Absolutely. Yeah, I just can't say that for any other folks. And Mark, Mark McLaren, you have, you are not a secret Ben Jealous supporter. You are someone who actively campaigned for Mr. Jealous. You worked hard for him. The SEIU worked hard for him. So tell me, what kind of race did he run from your perspective? Uh, well, <laughs> um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm really, I'm unapologetic about, about my choice for governor. I think he was, you know, it sounds like he's gone down to defeat tonight. He was still, easily the best candidate from the perspective of the working people that I represent. Their interests are with Ben Jones. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of the mechanics here, here. of the campaign that he ran, uh, you know, I, no one is more frustrated than me. I don't want to point fingers at anyone, but she's absolutely right. I can't think between June 26th and, and, and tonight, I can't think of more than three or four news cycles that he won. I just think that, we weren't yeah. firing on all cylinders for whatever reason. It just never really came together. And I think partially that is that Ben is a first-time candidate, you know, and he had as his staff mostly people who had never run statewide campaigns, you know, and I think you he, he, he saw some of that. But, I, but, you know, that's not to say, you know, that's not to throw fault on anyone. I know all of them worked their hearts out, but I just don't think I, – I, I think Katie, I think, is right. It never really came together. Uh, Saka, you you've been following the race Katie closely. Mike. You've been paying. Hello. Yeah, Saka, you've been paying close attention to the race here, Ben Jealous's race in Montgomery County. What kind of race, Saka, did 
that Ben Jealous run in Montgomery County? What was the outreach like? What was the ground game like here on, uh, you know, in up county, down county, mid county, east county? What was it like? Look, I think Ben Jealous did pretty good in Montgomery County. Um, I saw the results when they had been posted for the early vote uh, from Montgomery County. It had him up 60-40 over Hogan yeah. in Montgomery County. Um, uh, so, and, you know, he won, he won this county in the primary. Um, and when he got in, he, you know, Bershon Baker and other candidates were much more, you know, Rich Maddalena was supposed to, this was supposed to be his home turf, and um, Ben Jealous took it. Um, but yes. so in Montgomery County, I think he did fine. Um, he was, he didn't have the money that Larry Hogan had and let's, let's be real, right? Larry Hogan was a formidable, formidable candidate. I don't know if anybody could have beaten him truthfully. Um, so, you know, it, it would have taken a minor miracle to beat Larry Hogan and yeah, Ben Jellison seemed to pull it off. But this was not an easy race at all, right? Um, I think I think he he did excite a lot of people in Montgomery County, at least. Um, and I know I know you know the mechanics outside uh, in the less blue areas of the state wasn't where it should have been. Um, and, you know, that happened. A lot of those areas used to be blue, though, and that's the thing yeah. we need to keep in mind here. There's a reason these folks were turning against the Democratic Party this time. Uh, they probably voted Democrat lower down on the ballot. They just weren't inspired by the race Ben Jealous ran, which I don't think is Ben's fault. I think he was underserved by his staff, to be honest with you. I mean, also, uh, Hogan is super that, popular. Yeah, well, there's a reason he's popular. People wanted to turn away from the way O'Malley ran things in Maryland. People didn't like it that much, regardless if they liked Our his policies were. or not. It's people remember the economic family. recession, and they put the blame on O'Malley. Let me jump in here. Let me jump in here and ask Jason about you know Jason. He's a Republican, and you, you, and many other Republicans saw the Ben or rather Anthony Brown go down in 2014 as a result Mm -hmm. of Martin O'Malley's policies. They saw Anthony Brown as an extension of Martin O'Malley. And Marylanders no. seemingly rejected. Is that is that a wrong assumption? No, I don't yes, think it's wrong at all. <laughs> Mark, you disagree. I, I, what what do you disagree? With? That's not Anthony Brown didn't lose. This is like the Al Gore Bill Clinton moment. Anthony Brown didn't lose because he was associated with O'Malley. He lost because he ran away from O'Malley and tried to run on the issue of abortion, and nobody bought the idea that, that Larry Hogan was some pro-life zealot. That's why he lost. Mm-hmm. Martin O'Malley, if he wouldn't have been term-limited, would have won. If he could have run again, he would have won and beat Larry Hogan like an Alabama mule at Pimlico on Preakness. There's no question about it. No Mark, I, about I, I, re- I respect Mark, I Mark a lot, and I usually agree with him. I am not so sure that Martin O'Malley would have won a third term. I think there was a lot of residual anger in a lot well, of parts well, of the state well, that weren't Montgomery and Fitz George's. Let's just huh. look at what well, Martin O'Malley you know, did when he tried to run As Paris Glendening already showed you, all you need is Prince George's, Montgomery, and Baltimore City, and that disparity has only gotten worse, not better. But that's, that's the exact attitude that's causing Democrats to have problems in Maryland. 
when we keep acting as if the rest of the state doesn't matter, when we don't realize we're one I didn't singular unit. I, just, I, just, I mean, yeah, we, can, I just, we, can, we, can, we can veer the Democratic train off the tracks trying to get back the last 25 Democrats in Caroline County, or we can speak to the needs <laughs> of thousands of Democrats in Baltimore City that don't vote at all. No, I, I want to be clear for the record, there are more than 25 Democrats in Caroline County, whether they vote I'm or sorry, not. 27, 27. We registered two new ones. <laughs> wow. There might be. There's, I think there's 28. Um, and, in, oh. and I know for a fact that in Washington County, good old Washington County, where I grew up in the city of Hagerstown, there's a couple of oh, yeah. delegate races, which I want to talk about. Um, there's some Democrats in the city of Hagerstown. There's a lot of Democrats in Montgomery County. There's a lot of Democrats in Frederick City. There's a lot of Democrats even up in Allegheny County in some places. Look, um, Allegheny County, Cumberland, the city of Cumberland has a Democratic mayor. Um, up until uh, two years ago, the city of Hagerstown had a Democratic mayor, and he was a hell of a good mayor. His name is David Geisberg, and Keep that name in mind, by the way. Keep the name David Geisberts in mind because David Geisberts, former mayor of the city of Hagerstown, recently moved to the city of Rockville. And we all know what's going to happen in the city of Rockville soon. There's going to be a vacancy. There's going to be a vacancy because uh, Julie Palakovich Carr is going to, be, uh, going to ascend to the House of Delegates, and she's going to leave her city council seat. So I'm just throwing that little tidbit out here. But there's so many moving parts. And in the in the in the House of Delegates, do any do does the panel agree that the Republicans are not expected to make any real gains in the Maryland House of Delegates? Because I haven't seen any polling that suggests that, and I haven't seen any real races that they're looking at. But there's a few swing races. But let's talk about that. I mean, the the one yes, race is, that I can go ahead, Katie. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm chomping at the bit because. I think you're absolutely right, Ryan, and that there's not going to be a lot of gains this time. But I think one very strange thing for me was watching the lack of communication about the the redistricting process and and possible gerrymandering, not gerrymandering, whatever. Um, I thought it was interesting that Democrats, in my opinion, and I know this is going to be a little controversial, but I really think that that issue got left on the table because to give a Republican governor the opportunity to – redraw the lines in some respect. Um, so when you talk about gains, I think, I think if, if what they're saying is true and Governor Hogan does sail back in, I think, Democrat, I think Republicans are you know, definitely poised to, uh, to make very strategic gains uh, in a couple of years here. Um, and I'll just say one more quick thing. I think that I, think that I understand mathematically that you, know, you don't need Howard County, you don't need Baltimore County, you don't need Frederick County to win. Um, I, I get that. I understand. I can do some basic math. I am a proud product of Maryland public schools, but I will also <laughs> say that I think there's a huge opportunity gap there that when you have Trump being so unpopular in these areas, and these are areas where a lot of folks are commuting into Baltimore, a lot of folks are commuting into DC, they're educated voters, you know, folks, folks want a reason to vote against the party of Trump. And I just feel like the Democrats haven't given them that reason. That's my opinion. Yeah. Well, so let me just interject quickly. If I, if anyone heard me to have said that we should only care about people in those three jurisdictions, that's not what I meant. What I meant to say is that the areas for real growth opportunity tend to be in the urban jurisdictions. And I wouldn't just say 
Baltimore City and Prince George's County and Montgomery County. I would include Howard County and Anne Arundel County, the Baltimore metro area, Frederick County, D.C. metro. You know, I'm just saying, you know, out in Western Maryland and off on the shore, I mean, I think we should compete for every vote everywhere. But, you know, if I've got $100 to spend on a campaign, I'm going to spend about 95 of it outside those other yeah. two. Yeah. yeah, Mark, yeah. What, I'm, what I'm hearing you say is that you are looking at it tactically, strategically, about if Democrats know where their base is, you know, what, what was the old Wayne Gretzky? You skate where the puck is. So you go exactly yeah. where the voters are, and you target those areas, you micro-target those areas, and you make sure those particular voters show up. And, you know, Ben Jealous, he had a job to do. He had a job to make sure that you know, thousands of more Democrats show up to the polls and they vote for him in PG County, Baltimore City, and Montgomery County. And so, you know, we're we're still but following we this race, sure and I still haven't. We, yeah, we, I mean, we I thought made sure that more here. than enough Democrats turned out this time to elect, I think, a Democrat for governor. The reason we're seeing a split ballot again is because the party's strategy is flawed, focusing on those three powerful jurisdictions is not enough. We need to have a message and we need to have a commitment to the voters in the rest of the state and convince them that what we're talking about as Democrats is good for them, especially on the small business front. We keep ignoring the fact that traditionally 60 plus percent of our economic growth in Maryland has been coming from small businesses. They've been hurting for a long time. A lot of it is national issues, but it's also the fact that under the O'Malley administration, there wasn't a lot of action to protect homeowners and struggling small businesses during the recession. Whether that's fair to blame him for is a different conversation. But unless we embrace a strategy that goes for all the counties in Maryland, instead of just focusing on where we think that we've got the votes for sure, look, if you're skating for the puck where it was 10 minutes ago, that's not going to help you win the, at the end of the game. You've got to be looking at where the puck's going to go next. That's why hockey is such a competitive sport. And same thing with politics. Well, but, but, but now hold on a minute. Ben Jealous did not lose this race because of his message. He lost this race because of two factors. One, because of his campaign was not very well put together. But secondly, was because Larry Hogan is a very personally popular, relatively inoffensive guy. He was hard to run against. He's hard to lay a glove on. So I remember Mark, us having I, a, a very personal Republican why. governor a couple de- a, a decade ago named Bob Ellert, and some Ehrlich rather, and somehow this new guy out of Baltimore City was able to take him down, even with the Washington Post refusing to endorse him. He was so not I'm not really sure if that's fair. I think that it's more than completely just different situation. Well, guys, Bob, I don't I know. Bring in, Bob I, I want to bring in our other side. Yeah, I want to bring in our in our in our ladies to the discussion. Um, so. I think Katie, you were you wanted to jump in the conversation. Oh no, you know I'm I'm good. I'm I'm fascinated. Okay. <laughs> you know I think oh, that was you yeah. You move on, <laughs> Myla. Was that you who was furiously that, that interjecting? Was me. Okay. Sorry. No, Mark. I I'm I'm going to disagree with both of you on different things. I don't think Ben Jealous lost this because, uh, yeah, his ground game and team were a bit off their mark. I, but honestly, there are a lot of Democrats, and I was among them. I didn't vote for Larry Hogan. I didn't vote for Ben Jealous, who just didn't buy that Ben Jealous cared about Maryland. We thought he cared about 
his career and using Maryland as we agree. a law school We agree on that, Milo. And I was not comfortable with that. And I did not support him. And as for the redistricting, it is an issue that we didn't use enough, but I think that's something that I'm personally proud of because we shouldn't be focusing on getting to redraw the boundaries by the party in charge. We need to be moving towards an independent commission, nonpartisan that does that, and not play it so that our party draws the line or your party draws the line. And that just undercuts faith in the system to begin with. So I'm just just like a little more moderate view on everything there. Sorry. And, and, and just Frank, to add to Milo's point. I, hold on one I second. I want, to bring in, I want to bring in Amy. Hold on one second. I want to bring Go in ahead, Amy. One of, the, um, one, of the perceived, sure. one of the perceived gaps in this le- election season was when Ben Jealous made a remark about redistricting. And, you know, I think it was overplayed, but I also think that people gra- gravitated to that remark that he wanted to make sure that there's no Republicans – inside of the state of Maryland. But if you go back and listen to what he said, it can be interpreted many different ways. And we know now that, you know, if the, the polls are correct and if, you know, every network who's called this election for Larry Hogan are correct, that Larry Hogan will now be in charge of redistricting. But was that a major factor, Amy? Did people say, hey, there should be an independent commission that draws the congressional lines and gives people – you know, and draws the boundaries that make maybe a little bit more sense where Potomac wouldn't necessarily end up in a district with Oakland, Maryland. What do you, what say you, Amy? Right. Um, I mean, I think that was a really good um, point to, uh, to make to, to people to, um, you know, get them to vote for the Democratic candidate, um, that along with judicial appointments as well, especially during – um, the whole Kavanaugh controversy. But I don't know if those two issues were really at the forefront of, of voters' minds. Um, I think I, I think those two issues are are important, but I don't think they were really presented as, as top priorities during this election. Um, I want to bring in... Say, I Go think ahead. We're, we're talking a little bit... There are a couple of, of panelists who are talking about... Um, you know, O'Malley and how Hogan was first reelected because of people's feelings about O'Malley. But I think that voter turnout was just so low in 2014 that that may have been more of a factor. But um, the reason it was low, if you ask me, and I'll stop in a second, Amy, because I think it's important you talk. Uh, but, you know, the reason I think it was low is that people were sick and tired of the Democratic Party's establishment and the machine that didn't give a damn about people going through the economic recession. We keep ignoring the fact that Montgomery County was completely decimated by the recession, and we're the economic engine for the state along with Prince George's. So if we're devastated, I can only imagine how the rest of the state must have felt. And I'll stop because I think Amy has a couple of good points to jump in here. So, Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I I, I don't know if there are any – polls on this or if there's any data on, on why people didn't turn out in 2014, but if there is, I'd be interested to see it. Huh. Um, see, let me ask so you this. There is. I want to, I want to go ahead, Mark. No, go ahead. 
Oh, okay. What I was going to ask is from soccer, from a inside of the Muslim community. I'm interested to learn a little bit more about that. I'm interested to learn about the outreach from both candidates, from Ben Jealous and Larry Hogan, into the various minority communities throughout Maryland, and that's that Ooh. makes up a sizable demographic population. I want to understand what the campaigns did to touch those voters, to touch the different communities that I'm not familiar with, you know, as a white guy from Washington County who lives in Gaithersburg, that, you know, I try to get out as much as I can and talk to as many people as possible. But, Sakam, tell me a little bit more about the outreach from both campaigns into your community. I can tell you that Ben Jealous had Dave Chappelle, who's a practicing Muslim, with him at every turn. He did a lot of great outreach to the Muslim community. However, he he probably focused on the wrong demographics within the community. He held his only uh, real event with the Muslim community here in Montgomery County, where we have the lion's share of the of the state's Muslims with a in a, in a wealthy one percenter Pakistani home in Potomac, Maryland. He didn't do a lot of outreach to Baltimore City, where you actually have the most number of actual mosques physical mosques in poor black neighborhoods um, around Soundtown, North Avenue, the areas where the riots happened. And that, that, is, that is telling about what's wrong with the Democratic strategy overall in Maryland to minority outreach. It focuses on the people that unfortunately can be tokenized, turned into symbols um, of, you know, quick photo ops for the party, rather than focusing on getting and finding those voters, those nuggets of voters who otherwise aren't engaged. And that's especially the problem with the up county here in Montgomery County. Uh, where we have a very large number of immigrant Americans, uh, including a lot of Muslim Americans, who aren't engaged because they don't come from, say, families that really do participate in politics all the time. Uh, and so Jealous did his best with that. He had poor advice, if you ask me, from the people on his campaign. Larry Hogan was campaigning a lot with the Pakistani American leader, uh, Rizwan Siddiqui, from Baltimore, from Howard County, excuse me. He was also the president of the Maryland uh, Muslim Council and uh, was rolling around very strongly focusing on economic empowerment message and a small business message that carried very well with that part of the community, particularly wealthy South Asians uh, in Howard County, Baltimore County, and elsewhere. Uh, I'll defer to Saqib Ali, who was much more involved with Jealous, about what else might have been done on that side. But those are my observations, just looking at it from a glance. Well, Saqib, do you have anything to add? Is Saqib still with us? Well, we'll come back to soccer. But I want to break some news. The Maryland State Board of Elections has finally updated its website. Thank God. And here are some totals, oh, and we're wow. reading them. What? I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we're reading them in real time. At 57.4%, Larry Hogan with 954,775 votes um, to Ben Jealous' 690,136 votes at 41.5%. And these are results by county. And this is, there's 1,418 precincts in out of the 1991. So I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, is there any way for Jealous to make this up? And let's go through some of these races. So the comptroller, which I know that everybody knows how tight that race was, Peter Francho is going to cruise to re-election at 71.3% to Angel Reed. Is it Fukin? Is that how you say her name? I'm not sure. Pukan. It, Pukan. It's a Pukan. South Indian name. Yes. Okay. So Francho, with over a million oh. votes, 
over a million votes at this juncture. And let's take a look at the Attorney General's race, which some thought it could be close, but it is not. Brian Frosch is crushing Craig Wolf with 62.9% of the vote with 1,331 write-ins. So Mickey Mouse may have made his debut. And let's go to the congressional races. What's happening on the District 6 race? What has happened in District 6? It is not even close between David Trone and Ami Hover. <laughs> David Trone is crushing <laughs> Ami Hover with yes, 92,395 votes to 68,622 votes. David Trone has a 55.7% to Ami Hover's 41.4%. And then in the first congressional district race, it is not even close. Andy Harris is crushing Jesse Colvin with 60.5 to 37.6% of the vote. And we have more races to cover. Are you guys following? Brian, that's the biggest disappointment tonight, in my opinion. Um, We need to get Andy Harris the hell out of here. (laughs) As long as as that district is as Republican as it is, that's not going to happen. That's why we need an independent election commission to draw new districts, uh, to be uh, honest. Yeah, not you. until we do it everywhere, uh, please. Okay, not just in Maryland. Thank you very much. Yeah. We I'm, can I'm, be, I'm, we can be a moral a leader. i got to disagree. We can be uh, a moral yeah, leader. Yeah, a, a, a moral leader <laughs> while, we, while we hold the let's House be, of Let's be the moral leader, guys. But we're going to be the moral <laughs> leader. Okay. Yeah, no thanks. Panel? Uh, let's keep going because I have I have more races to cover and I want to talk about these and oh man this is going to get interesting. This and is District Three, Katie, Katie Nash. Yeah, Ron so, so is crushing. Is, yeah, there's no way there's no way for Craig to make up. You look at that early voting number. Early, typically in Frederick, <laughs> early voting will will sort of will sort of indicate the race, and I, I just don't see a scenario where where Craig can make that set up. Yeah, no. and, and look, Kathy Klausmeyer is winning over Christian Neely, 50.6 to 49.4. That's very close, look guys. At, we don't know what's – Well, you look at Kate, Katie Fry Hester in nine is losing. Yeah, I'm looking – I mean, it's winning. Seriously up. It's winning. That's a pickup in the Senate. Yes. yes, that's a pickup in the Senate. Bobby Zirkin is, is, has no competition. Of course. Um, let's see. Unfortunately. Land is winning – Thirteen is is no competition. Craig Zucker is killing it at fourteen. I mean, the fifteen race. Brian Feldman is winning, and I love Brian Feldman. I think he's the best. Seventy-two point six percent, or seventy-two point six percent, over his Republican challenger David Wilson at twenty-seven point three. District sixteen, Susan Lee. District seventeen, Cheryl Kagan with eighty percent of the vote. Um, Eighteen, Jeff Wildstriker, where. Myler lives 97.9%. And apparently, five yeah. people Let's get down to 30. Um, let's just let's get to 30. <laughs> Holy cow, 57.8%. Ron George, he's going down tonight, guys. I feel it. I think he's going to go down. I told you, if you look at the turnout in the primaries, Democrat versus Republicans, this was never going to be close. Sarah Elfrith is and, a great candidate. She's going to make an awesome show. 
And she I agree. Planning. Mary Beth Mary Beth Carosa is winning over Jim Mathias, fifty-two point six percent to forty-seven point three percent. Hallelujah, Pastor Peace. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, and then we're looking at the District Forty-two race, which was another interesting race to follow. Chris West is beating Robbie Leonard, fifty-one point three to forty-eight point seven percent. Oh, that's a heartbreaker. Robbie Leonard is amazing. Well, how many of those precincts are in there? How many precincts? So, forty-one of these. See, we got time left. There's a third of the vote left out there. He could get it. It's close enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are these are very close close races. Um, And if you're following along, and I want to talk to, and I wish Corey McRae could call in because he is one. I am so proud of Corey McRae. I love that guy. I'm so glad he's going to be in the state Senate. That guy is, he has, I'm telling you, he's another bright and shining star of the state of Maryland. Do you guys agree? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Corey is, forget, uh, Corey is, Corey, Corey's tagline in running for Senator was I am Baltimore. And he is absolutely correct. He is quintessential Baltimore. Um, Jason, uh, are you still with us, Jason? Senate is, Kind of close, yes, considering we only have thirty-one and fifty-five in with Eve Horowitz yeah. and Ed Riley. Big Ed Riley. Um. Uh, let's see. Are there any close? Let me let me look. Let me take a look. So at, I'm wondering if the fact that nine and thirty, the thirty and thirty-two are not close, and nine is close. Can we look at the Anne Arundel County Executive and Howard County Executives? Yeah, let's nine take a look is, here. If Katie's winning in nine, I think that's bad. I, that may mean Calvin is ahead, or at least somewhere in the in the mix. Let's see here. Um, I'm I'm looking through. All right. Calvin is leading uh, with fifty out of a hundred and eighteen reporting in. It's fifty three to forty six. Wow. Come on, Calvin. Yes. Wow. Wild. Um, so, right when I was talking about Calvin Ball, uh, uh, Kittleman winning, uh, it turns out he's losing? Yeah. How about <laughs> uh, Steve Pittman? <laughs> That's the Trump effect for you. That's Trump pulling yes, down. Exactly. Uh, you yeah. know, pulling Howard right. County voters uh, rep- being repelled from the and, Republican Party. That's, and, and, and look, that, that, that's true. And it, and it's even more telling again what we're talking about with the Democratic Party's future in Maryland that we're seeing that that split ticket where people are voting against um, Kittleman, but they're voting for Hogan at the same time. Wow. Well, well, that, um, that's largely because they. I mean, if you look at the policies. For instance, between Calvin Ball and Ben Jealous, there's not a wit's bit of difference. That illustrates my point. True. People are voting for Larry Hogan because they like Larry Hogan and they know Larry Hogan and they don't particularly or they know don't trust, Or they don't trust a Democrat to have the second most powerful governorship in the country right now. No, that's they had not it. terrible oh, experience for eight it. years that's, under Martin Mount. That's a load of – no. Well, then why are they voting for Democrat Calvin Ball, the county executive? Who means more to them? Calvin lives. Ball is known as a trustworthy. He was known as a trustworthy, honest, hardworking guy on the county council in Howard County. Ben oh, Jealous is a newcomer by your own admission. There's People have never heard of him until now. Right. Well, that's the point I was making. But your your point all along has been 
that there's something inherently wrong with the policies and the messaging that Ben Jealous is putting out, and that's why that is not I'm telling my, you it's no, not. Let's let's clarify this. Let's clarify this. I yeah. agree with Ben, ben Jealous's policies 100. percent I think that he's fantastic on those issues. I think he's great. The issue is one he had a really but really poorly run campaign that we've all said again and again tonight. And my issue really is that he's suffering from the legacy of a previous administration of Democrats in government house. That's what's dragging down Democrats when it comes to government house this cycle. We haven't made a case that we can be trusted with government house. People feel like we didn't do a good job last time. I'm not. How is it it possible that Democrats are trusted no, that's not it at all, because Larry Hogan... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, even yeah, make, that doesn't sense. make sense. I'm sorry. That's, what, that's the point of view I have on it. And frankly, it seems to be proven by the results we're seeing tonight. That's all i got to say about that. No, no, it's actually disproven by the results that we're seeing tonight, Hans. But that's why I'm so incredulous that you're continuing with this line of argument. I mean, and, and by the huh? way, Ryan, you might want to stop us men from mansplaining here and, and have um, the oh, women sorry. speak their fair sorry. share. Okay, I'm I would, I would love for... I would love for Amy Frieder to digest some of the other races here. And let's go back to Prince George's County where someone tweeted out, a, I think the race was at like 2%. But Mark McLaren, you were absolutely correct. But Amy Frieder, Ben Jealous and Susie Turnbull are beating um, Larry Hogan 69 to 29 in PG County. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not surprised about that at all. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's not much of a surprise for Prince George. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. PG County, and then um, looking at the Baltimore County race. Um, oh, no surprise! Breaking news: Liz Matori is going to lose. Liz Matori will lose. I'm Yay. so shocked. Really? Um, it couldn't happen to a good. I'm like. It couldn't happen I'm to like a better woman. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've been so perplexed like by Liz. Better than Liz. I, I've been so I mean, perplexed I felt bad by Liz for the last four years. I realized it was just gas. So I oh, guess Liz. Sheriff David Clark, Sheriff David Clark, isn't the pull we thought he was in Maryland. Okay, it's time to go back yeah, to the drawing board. No, he's yeah, not. David he's Clark. just the tool. So um, can I? I want to jump in real quick. We were talking about uh, redistricting. So now Larry Hogan and the Maryland legislature is going to be in charge of redistricting in 2020. So that's going to be very interesting because they won't agree to whatever, you know, they're not going to agree to a Democratic gerrymander. And uh, so how's that deadlock going to break? Now, unless the, the legislature uh, overrides a veto, uh, which, which they may not be able to do, then that means probably a court will draw these lines, which means uh, CD6 may not be a safe Republican, uh, safe Democrat seat anymore. Uh, and uh, maybe uh, District 1 may not be so Republican anymore in 2022. And, and maybe they won't have a broken pterodactyl of a district either. I have an update on Howard County. Um, okay. So I'm going as I'm as I'm as I'm going through. Even though Calvin Ball is only up 53 to 46 with only 50 precincts in, um, the, the the two districts that haven't reported very much yet are districts one and two, which are both heavily Democratic districts. So I think that that our, my prediction here is that Calvin Ball's margin only grows and he beats um, Kittleman handily. 
I'm sure Boyd Rutherford will be happy because that means maybe he has a shot at being the Republican nominee in four years. <laughs> I have to agree. No, I, have to I agree I, with Mark. I, I, it I looks pretty good. Over here. Can we well, just go back I, to I want to report one sec because the District yes. 3 County Council is being won by uh, Nathan Bulky, who I'm going to give a shout out to because we did drama together in high school at Chesapeake High in Pasadena. Uh, a shout out to Nathan Volke of uh, the the of Anne Arundel County, and I want to go to an obscure race that some of us have been following because of the sheer craziness of it. And Katie Nash, I'm going to break some news tonight at 10:28 p.m. on November the 20 or November the 6th at 10:28 p.m. Here we are. Cindy Rose is going to lose her Board of Education race. Now you know you need to be patient. Wait for the absentees. <laughs> Yes, yes, because Cindy Rose, Cindy Rose, with any connection to overseeing public schools, is like pouring a can of Sprite in my gas tank. It's just not going to end well. So, I mean, Charles County raise, has a new senator. Charles County has a new senator. Who are we talking about? With 32 out of 36 precincts reporting, Arthur Ellis, the guy who defeated Mac. Is, is crushing Bill Dotson, 65 to yeah. 34. Wow. And then then go up to District 27, Mike Miller. And Mike Miller Mark is McLaren's, crushing Jesse. Mark McLaren's best friend, Mike Miller, is crushing yes, uh, yes, Jesse. Yes, I, I am. I am a big fan of his leadership. Um, I and, still have and, my favorite high school shirt. Oh, and here's just, here's, here's just in. Here's just in. Breaking. Looks like he's up 53. Stu Pittman looks like it's going to beat Steve Shue in Anne Arundel County. What? That's Ooh. huge. Yep. That's great. Yep. Wow. So the Democratic that wave is... hit. It just didn't wash. It just didn't wash Larry ashore. I'll tell you this though: these Democrats Holy that are winning cow. in these races have Ben Jealous's field campaign to thank. You heard it here first. It's that there, Mark. Yeah. Is that fair? Uh, absolutely. Or are the we looking at emerging done... demographics, or are we looking at emerging demographics making all the difference across Maryland in different ways? Are we now entering a new period where we, we can't take anything for granted for either party? No, I, don't, I don't think it's fair for us to give credit to one of the worst field campaigns I've seen in a while. Uh, one of the worst just... field campaigns? How's, are you serious? That's yeah, I mean, that's how I think of No, uh, you're absolutely Trump... you, I, Trump dragged down all the Republicans except Hogan. That's the story. Of the I, I think, I think, I think that Sock is right on that point. I think that and really what's back, going on. And guess what? Guess down. what? Here's some news. Trump just lost the House, the U.S. House. NBC News is calling really? the U.S. House is going to be yes, taken over can. by Democrats. Uh, Democrats wow. have lost several seats in the Senate. They've lost Claire McCaskill, Donnelly. Yes. It looks like they might lose Bill Nelson's seat. Um, it's, and it's, it's pretty much Texas. They've got 99% reporting in Florida. So They've lost. They're losing seats in the Senate, but winning seats in the House. And we're sending two Muslim women to the Congress, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, uh, which is uh, a stunning, stunning, um, stunning about what's happening in America today. Uh, it's a statement about who we are as a country, that we're seeing the House, the people's branch of government, 
elect two Muslim women, uh, one of whom is of Somali origin, the other one of Palestinian origin. Uh, that 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 just it, it fills my heart with joy. I think in in Yiddish you'd say I'm I'm felt over this right now. And let's talk about there's 99 percent of Florida reporting. It looks like Bill Nelson's going down. Yes, he is. It looks like Bill Nelson much is going down. It's not done, and, but it looks like him and Andrew Gillum are losing too. Andrew Gillum also lost. That was a close no, one. It's not lost. It hasn't been called, but they're losing. It, it was 99 percent reporting. It's going to be very hard for him to come back. I don't know what precinct is hiding somewhere in Boca Raton. No, that's going to break Broward, the a lot of Broward, Broward County and Dade County are out, and those are Democratic places. And, and it, yeah, it's, it's like true. It's yeah, true it that Broward like, and Miami-Dade could put it over, but it's not likely to overcome that much of a margin from what I can look at this. Right uh, guys, so what Webner, the just, Webner just conceded the, the Baltimore County exact. Who? Oh, Al Redmer. Al, breaking news, yeah. Myla, go ahead and break that again. Uh, Al Redmer just conceded the Baltimore County executive race. And sorry, Mark, <laughs> I just wanted to have to shout over y'all. Yeah, well, hey now we'll have to figure out. Please do. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't mean to be unkind to, I don't mean to be unkind to Al Redmer, but now he's going to have to figure out a different method to get PTO uh, since he used most of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I Look, there's, there's one race that I want to talk about that surprised me. Yeah, please. And that's District, and that's district 27B. Let's look at relatively new district. It's it, it mainly Prince George's County and some of Calvert, right. with seven of seven precincts reporting, the Republican has won. Michael A. Thomas has beat incumbent delegate Michael A. Jackson, 62.9 wow. to 37.1. No wow. way. Michael Jackson went down? Wow. That's, yeah. uh, that's a stunning. That's a stunner right there. As I recall, well, um, for, for a I while, can, I can I can guarantee how that happened. Mike Miller double crossed him. Oh, I have another without a shadow in of district, doubt. In District 18, Linda Willard unfortunately will not be the next state delegate, but rather Al Carr, Emily Shetty, who is now the top vote getter, and Jared Solomon in third place. So it's Emily, Al, and Jared in District 18, and then in District Congrats. 19. No, Jared and yeah. Al. Yes, and then, of course, District 17, Kumar, Barbe, Jim Gilchrist, and Julie Palacios-Carr, they will be the next delegates. And then in District 16, we have Ariana Kelly at 30.6%, Mark Cornyn at 29.7%, and Sarah Love at 29.5%. And where we all know and we love... Um, and it looks like hey. District 15 will have a new state delegate, and her name is Lily Chi, and she came in hey, at 23.8%. And then Kathleen, Kathleen Dumay is 24.6%, and David Frazier Hidalgo at 23.0%. So, um, and poor Jason wow. Hidalgo Frazier has had such a rough year. His wife well, died in wow. the middle of the primaries, towards the end of the primaries, and... Speaking of that, can we just take a moment and remember Kevin Kamnitz because that was the Absolutely. most heartbreaking thing going through this primary. Absolutely. Um, memory be a blessing. May his memory be a blessing. Yeah. You know, 
I think all of us have had some sort of interaction, and I want to go down the line because this is so important, and this is the Maryland family that we talk about. We, you know, look, all of us in on this panel, have pro- we have gone at it, but I have so much profound respect for each of you, and as a political family, we come into contact. Maryland's, a, you know, it's a small state. We see each other all over the place, and it's not hard to get from one end of the state in, you know, a few hours or at these events we go to. And when Kevin Cannon has passed away in May, I just remember, I mean, I think it's one of those moments where you reflect and remember where you were. And it was early in the morning, and my wife woke me up and said, oh, my God, you're not going to believe this, and she showed me her phone. I mean, it was devastating. And, you know, Myla Mm -hmm. and I and her husband, Dev, we we went together to um, uh, the, the Lake County Executive's funeral, and it was it was really heartbreaking because I, I disagreed with Kevin on the issues, but let, let me tell you, here's a guy who was roundly respected in Baltimore County and was beloved by so many people and who was a really a hell of a county executive. I call him a technocrat, and I still believe this, that had, you know, had he not had suddenly passed away, that might have upended the trajectory of this race and the gubernatorial race. You know, who knows what could have happened. And so I just, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Myla, and I'm glad that we can take a moment to, to think about that because he was, uh, he was a good man. He, you know, he left behind a wife who I saw today in the Baltimore Sun, who she actually voted for her late husband for governor, and he left behind two boys. It's just, it's devastating. And I, I'm, you know, when that happens, let's also take a moment to think about, uh, Ryan, one thing to think about here to add on, one thing in terms of of Kamenitz's really tragic passing is just how much of a toll politics does take on the families of those running, on candidates running for office. And anybody who runs um, should be saluted because this isn't an easy thing to do. It's a very emotionally trying thing for a lot of folks, and people are putting themselves out there usually 90% of the time to serve the public, not themselves. And that's an incredibly yeah. important gift that so many of us have. Amen to that. And most of the well, panel here awesome. have been candidates at one point. That's true. Not I said the fish, but I've endorsed most <laughs> of the candidates out here. So. And we love them, um, Mark. The wrong ones. Yes. Um, what do we say about I'm going back sorry, and looking at some of these feelings. state senate? I don't know who that um, was. This is Bob. Before we get to the Katie, state senate, there's, there's, there's a local race I want to talk about in Calvary. Please, just Earl go. Buddy Hans. Earl Buddy Hans has won county commissioner in uh, Calvert County as a Republican. Some of you may remember him as the Democratic Secretary of Agriculture for Martin O'Malley. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yep, and he he ran as a Republican. And another one uh, is in Calvary, District 3 Commissioner. uh, Kelly McConkie won that. And what's interesting about him is this is his third time running for county commissioner, but first time as a Republican. And Calvary County, for the third term in a row, is all Republican county commissioners. And two of them used to be Democrats up until last year. And, again, this is – we talked. I, I kind of hit on this, and you probably know this better than I do, Jason. In terms of uh, the, the sorts of Marylanders who've been moving to Coward County, Coward County is one of the wealthiest counties by income in the country. But folks here do seem to 
turn a little bit more towards the center right and right of politics these days in terms of wanting to see lower taxes and more growth in the economy spurred by that. That's my general take on it. You would probably know a lot better than me. I haven't been out there in a lot. I, I also want to break some news up in obscure Allegheny County, which I know very well and um, have visited there many times throughout my life and really grew up in the Green Ridge Mountains where my granddaddy had a hunting club and we would go up there every couple of days. The mayor of Cumberland is going to lose, Brian Grimm. He is going down to Raymond Morris. And Brian Grimm is a Democrat, and I believe his opponent is a Republican. That's a big upset. Brian Grimm is a well-respected guy, and he's going to lose um, the, the mayor's uh, the mayoral race there. Uh, Brian, I'm going to break some news, too. Um, uh, we haven't discussed the constitutional amendment questions yet. Um, with yes, please. 418 of the 1991 precincts, uh, 88.9% have voted for the constitutional amendment for the gambling lockbox, and 66.3% have voted for the constitutional amendment for the same-day registration and voting at the polling place on election day. And on the off chance that he's listening and not celebrating with Peter, happy birthday, Lynn Lynn Foxwell. Happy birthday, Lynn Foxwell. And cheers to the comptroller, Peter Franchot, who is waging a war and and disrupting the machine on the daily. Disrupt the machine. (laughs) Mark, how do you feel about that? Tell us how Mark feels about that. Which machine is he disrupting, by the way? Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. Oh, well, you can't guys. disrupt the Democratic no. machine when the state is controlled couple, by Republicans. A couple of breaking this is Katie. I just want this to is, let you know this that one thing about Peter Franchot. Peter Franchot campaigned against Mike Miller in Prince George's County in the primary. He publicly came out and wanted and said he wants people to vote against Mike Miller. That's I mean that's throwing a wrench in the Democratic machine. Yeah. Wow. That's fair. Katie, now, you, know, you had some news? Well, just that there was a Democratic pickup in St. Mary's. Looks like Deb Ray is going down. Wow. Oh, my and God. That loves me. We're seeing all kinds there of interesting two, movement at the local level. There are two, there are two additional. If Deb Ray is losing, that's one. In districts 3B and 9B, the Republicans are losing two. So that means the Republicans have now lost three seats in the House of Delegates. 9B, well, Courtney Watson has beaten uh, Bob Flanagan. And, uh, oh, I figured that was going to happen. Right. And, and, they, and they, seem to pick up, they seem to pick up a fluke in 27B. I, I mean, this whatever happens with redistricting is one thing in four years, but I don't think that they'll retain that one. I have some big news. Yeah. I want to break some news in Frederick County. County Executive Jan Gardner looks like she's going to retain her seat at 51.7% oh, to oh, Kathy Allen. Yeah, she's fine. And then it looks like the county council, this at-large race was, was rather interesting to follow. And there's a real race between Phil Dacey, Danny Farrar, Kai Hagen, and Susie leader Jesse. And it looks like the person with the most votes right now is Kai Hagen, a Democrat. It looks like Kai Hagen is going to pick up a seat, and it could be a, a square-off between Phil and Danny um, for the uh, the second and third seat. So we'll have to see what happens there. And Bud Otis, who was on the council 
got 7.1%. He is going down, down, down. So, yeah, that's that's not I'm a surprise. But it would... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead first. Sorry. No, I just just or word of caution. A lot of the districts, a lot of the precincts in Frederick aren't in yet, so it's not. We're we're behind. Uh, <laughs> that's that's funny. We're we're constantly behind, but that's cool. <laughs> and at the My federal level, Ryan specifically and Maryland in general, which is that Neil Carrot is going to be reelected. That's um, that's wow. so you know, yeah. you know who the happiest Democrat tonight is that Ben Jealous lost. Who? It's going to be Mike Mike Miller. Uh, <laughs> because I'm pretty sure if he was going to be governor of Angeles, he would have found a way to uh, see Mike Miller out the out the door. Um, You're wow. not going to get Mike Miller there until you drag his cold dead body out. Well, I thought yeah. I thought Ben Jealous might have done that, but <laughs> that's not going to happen now. <laughs> well. I'm looking at some of the vote totals today, and let's go to the congressional races, and I'm just going to read these quickly. Um, it looks like Andy Harris is going to cruise to re-election over Jesse Colvin, and at District 2, Dutch Rubersberger is going to win 65% of the vote. John Sarbanes is going to win uh, 68% of the vote. Anthony Brown will get 78% of the vote. Um, Steny Hoyer will get 69% of the vote, and Steny Hoyer – could probably rejoin the leadership in the House of Representatives um, and be the number two to uh, Nancy Pelosi if she's elected speaker. Um, David Trone, he's going to be elected to Congress. Um, Elijah Cummings um, is going to, he's sailing to re-election with 76.2% of the vote. And then, of course, um, leading 66.9% to 31.5%. Is that unusual? Maybe because that there's the western counties that come out for the Republican? I don't know. Amy, what do you think? Uh, I don't know why that would be. I mean, that's kind of standard around 70, 68, 70. And, yeah, and then, uh, you know, Jamie's been known uh, to continue in the Chris Van Hollen tradition of being excellent, excellent constituent outreach. So I can even see some crossover happening because people really respect him as – um, one is a constitutional expert, and two is, is just a really nice guy. Uh, so I think that well, I think it's not a surprise either way. Jamie is uh, the just, guy. Guys, I just got. I'm If Jamie is the kind of guy that if you get sick, he's there. If I have a friend that was diagnosed with cancer during this primary and general season. He took time out of his day to drive her to and from her doctor's appointment. Like, yes, he that did. is who yeah. he is. Mark McLaren, you had some news? Yes, I just got a text fact that reports of his death have been greatly exaggerated. Delegate Michael Jackson has been reelected. That was, that was <laughs> fake news. Yeah, that, oh, man. that did seem like a fluke there in 27B. Um, so I'm glad no, he, he won 55-45. I want to point out that up in District 2B in the city of Hagerstown, there was a pretty hard-fought battle between Paul Quarterman, who was recently appointed to the House of Delegates. Yeah, Peter Perini. Peter Perini is going to lose that race, and Quarterman is going to win, which will be, um, of course, 
the well, I won't go into the history of it, but that's a Republican. Interestingly enough, there that John Donahue, the one that lost it four years ago, actually endorsed the Republican this year. Yeah, Um, he did. He came out national stage. Um, I have some really troubling news for all of us who love America. Ted Cruz yeah. has been reelected to the U.S. Senate, unfortunately, from uh, Texas. Well, uh, I have some blood. breaking news. I have some breaking news out of District 3B. Bill Fulton could be going down tonight, and Ken Kerr could be elected. Bill, Ken Kerr Yay. is up with 50, 51.7% of the vote to Bill Fulton's 48.2%, 48.2% for Bill Fulton. Katie Nash, reaction? So, so that is that is by far that is an upset. The polls were not that, that tells me that that district has radically changed. When you look at the numbers for Ron Young, um, you know Bill was incredibly popular when he ran four years ago, and you know that that to me suggests that's that's definitely blue wave because that district four years ago was not was just not it. Bill won with thirteen thirteen points last time. So um, can, can you describe incredible. what part of Frederick that is? Uh, just for those sure, of us sure, who yeah. So, yeah, if you if you if you've if you've driven through Frederick County, that that's sort of the suburban part. It's it's not in the city of Frederick, but it's that sort of sprawl part of the the 270 corridor and then down to Urbana. It includes part of Urbana. So certainly, um, you know, and it and it goes up to Jefferson. So you've got it's definitely not a very liberal district. Um, a lot of folks are commuting down to DC. So you know, I would I would definitely say if I was if I was betting that this was a this was the Trump effect. Well, and I want to break some other news tonight. Sarah Alfred has won District 30. Yay! Yeah. Go, go Sarah! Yay, Sarah! You know, Sarah, that is incredible. Sarah is really a gem. Um, she came out to Montgomery County to do an event uh, right across from my district, District 15, and it was really well attended. She was really well loved and received out here. Uh, and she's just a warm personality who really understands what needs to be done to get Maryland back on its feet. She's like, as as I think Ryan and others have said, she's a rising star for the party. God, and I and I and I think that that's a um, good thing. I mean, we need some fresh faces in this in all over politics. Um, and look, Ron George is a formidable guy. He was a longtime state delegate, has a business in downtown Annapolis. But um, I give her a lot of credit. She worked extremely hard. And she was deserving of a seat. And I don't say that often. I don't think people are owed a seat. I think people work hard. And look, Amy Frieder, you knocked on tons of doors. Hamza, you knocked on tons of doors. So you know what it's like. And Amy, what's your what's your reaction to, you know, it looks like some women have won in the state of Maryland. That's a great thing. What, that's, that's something we can get, can rally behind. What, what do you say to that? Did we lose Amy? I think we lost Amy. I, I, I think she's stepped away. Um, you know, one thing I'd say, I, one thing I would say, you know, looking at this, because Montgomery County had a huge number of women run this time, is that what we're noticing is that in certain parts of the state where just enough evolution is happening in the party apparatus, uh, and just enough new faces are coming up that people can, pop, like you know, they can pop through. Um, like what we just saw with Sarah tonight. Uh, here, here in Moco, we had some great women run who just couldn't break that horrible ceiling. We saw that with the county council at large race. I mean, Mark and I disagree. I think we had some really strong female candidates. I think when, and at the end of the day, there were just so many names on the ballot. People just kind of went one way or another. Um, but I think that as we go forward in the next four years, it's, it's curious to see 
how the democratic establishment at the micro-local level, the county level, will change. Uh, and will they allow for new faces to come up? Here in Montgomery County, that has been an ongoing problem. A lot of backroom complaints about figures in politics refusing to compromise, refusing to let new people come up. We saw, we've saw we seen that many times in District 39, unfortunately. It's a minority-majority district where uh, the elected officials there in the past have worked very hard to keep minorities from getting elected. Uh, so, you know, the this is one of those interesting things. What's going to happen for the future of the Democratic Party as a whole? Are we going to see that kind of new base uh, trend continue after the end of the blue wave tonight? Um, and based on – and I I want you to take a look at Anne Arundel County's District 33. There could be a real race um, between the three Republicans or – I I'm, but, you know, we all know Tony McConkie. Um, who had like an ethics violation against him. It looks like he's really tied for third place um, at 16.2% um, with another candidate at 16.0%. So you know, he could, you know, depending on how the absentees or whatnot, um, and there's only 45 out of 55 precincts reported, Tony McConkie could go down tonight. So that's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, let's see. Where are we? Where is is Sakov still with us? No, I haven't heard from Sakov in a while. I think he hung up a long time ago. No, he okay. he came back once or twice. Um, I think. Oh. So, yeah, Sakov is a family man. He's he's a very dedicated family man. So he might be spending time with his family and coming back in and out. Myla is still with us, correct? My is I can't tell who's who besides Ryan and Mark. And Hamza and Saqib sound quite alike to me through no fault of theirs. I just can't hear anything. I, um, are you I, sure I, you're I, not I, insinuating old brown men sound the same, Myla? Oh, God. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know what Jason is either. And I've spent more time on the phone with Jason this past week than I have my husband, so... Is, is Jason still with us? I think he is. Jason, you still there, darling? Oh, wow. I'm right here. Bad. Sorry, Jason, I just say no, I'm from Balmer. Jason, so we have two, Jason is here. So I have here. two okay. marquee okay. race updates. Yes. Uh, with all precincts in, landslide Kathy Klausmeyer has been reelected to the Maryland Senate. Ooh. And with all precincts in, landslide Jim Mathias has gone down to defeat on the shore. And landslide for District 32, um, crazy nut job right wing Republican John Grasso <laughs> is going down. Thank God. So, yeah. Gail, Senator Gail Bates lost her seat. Isn't that something? Oh, did um, she? I didn't see it. 49.9 to 50. What it was always going to be a top race around? for Jim to win. Yes, yeah, I thought so too. By the way, has Jealous conceded yet? Have we found that out yet? Has he officially conceded oh. the race? He, oh, that he depends on Travis Kasdorf. running for Virginia. Yes, I think he wasn't going to address voters until everyone had voted. So we may be waiting until okay. tomorrow. For ben right. well, ben Jealous conceded when he said he's running for governor of Virginia. I, um, I have to agree. There were some really strange statements made by Ben this cycle. That was probably the weirdest. The fact that I got no less than eight emails about it the same day um, definitely proved to me that it resonated with a lot of people. Well, let me ask you this. 
and in all fairness, anybody be, who is fair. anybody who is stupid is anybody who is stupid enough to base a vote for governor on a Rhodes Scholar misspeaking. Is there anyone out there that really thinks he was confused I, about where he was running for governor? That's I think the Marco, biggest stupid non-issue I've think ever he heard. Every day Mark, I voted for the right guy for governor just to to you know bring down your fears for a second. But I can tell you. One of the most respected county council candidates from the Democratic Party in Montgomery County, who did go down, who lost their primary, but even you liked them a lot, uh, admitted the other night that they didn't feel like Ben Jealous was from Maryland, and they cited this particular point. Again, is it fair? This not from Maryland. Fair he, there's, in politics. There's not, look, this is a factual question. He's not from Maryland. There's no question about that. He's from California. And so when you say something like that on accident, when you say something like that, it just feeds into that negative bias no, that people have. That's just silly. That's just silly. It's not I, silly. And, and, and it's I would, I would feel the same There's exact way as Hogan had done it. It's just a silly non-issue. And anyone who votes based on something stupid and like I, that, and I agree with vote. you. Look. Look, we're not we're not here to debate the merits of whether something's silly or not. We're here to say did that impact the election or not? And the fact of the matter is that perception matters, and we have to be fair about that. I I think that Ben Jealous is, is a great guy. I'd like to. I think he he you know he's a very honorable man, and I found him to be very great when I met him in person. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of people misread his campaign. They had the wrong impression about him, and the fact that he was outspent four to one didn't help things much, especially in Democratic Maryland, where that left a lot of people with the idea that this guy clearly isn't good enough for anyone to care. And that's unfortunate, but that's what happened. Katie, is there any news in Frederick County? Did you say what's going on in Frederick County? (laughs) I don't know. Anything going on up there? Montgomery County is pretty boring. Mark (laughs) Elrich was elected. Uh, Oh, we haven't talked about that at all, by the way. We really should talk about Mark Elrich. Before before we move on from Frederick County, I just want to make an observation that I'm noticing across the board, and that there are huge, huge gaps in early voting returns or when we look at the, the breakdown of Democrat versus Republican. And I am not willing to say that that's just because, oh, only Democrats are voting for, you know, an early voting. I, I'm curious about strategy. I think that that's something sort of we should talk about, you know, a week from now is because I'm wondering, you know, is, is, there, a, is there a magical sauce to the strategy that Democrats had, and especially in areas like Frederick, I'm guessing in Howard and in Arundel, where, you know, early voting was a target and, you know, not for the Republicans. They just didn't have a ground game for early voting. I just, it's just, it's, it, there's a huge, there's a huge break, just breakout if you start to look at those numbers. And I think that that's a trend that we're going to see increase in the coming years. People find it very convenient to vote during early vote. In other countries, um, we do see that voting lasts a whole week in some cases. And the campaign during that time is usually suspended by law. Uh, but countries where you are allowed to campaign, the way that you do the grand game during that week of early vote, um, it really makes a huge difference uh, in terms of how right. things go down in the end. Huh. Yeah, there's, so, there's, there's something I want to say about Charles County that surprised me. Larry Hogan won Charles County. That didn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it, well, I have to the numbers, but I'm not... You know, I mean, it it does surprise me, but there's also something that doesn't surprise me about Charles County, is that a guy who's a former uh, commissioner, Reuben Collins, won the commissioner presidency. 
And it's disheartening because while he was a commissioner uh, before, previously, he was arrested for DWI in a county vehicle. And now he's the chief executive of Charles County. Well, you know, just just to be clear, we have at least one state delegate from Montgomery County who's been arrested on, for that, I think, on a similar charge more than once. And you got a Prince uh, George's County Council member. That's small potatoes. Have another yeah. drink and get in the car. Let's go, boys. Well, <laughs> this, again, this is why I'm a proud teetotaler for life. Um, but, you know, that being said, the thing about Charles County, what doesn't surprise me, again, is that People want to see an economy that's thriving, and they don't feel – again, I know Mark's going to jump on me. They don't feel in other parts of the state that we have a message that's delivering on that. That's, that's so different we, than our policy. I think our policy is sound, but we're not getting the message yeah. across clearly. Charles County, Indian Head is a ghost town. Indian Head is a ghost town in Charles County. Huh. And, you know, it, it's, it's – I mean, it's you, – you had Safeway. Leave Charles or Indian Head. You, you, used no to have that even a bank. you guys know that the state house is controlled by Republican, right? I'm sorry? You guys know that this is a Republican controlled state, right? Yes. Okay. Wait. So the idea that people are suffering economically and so they're punishing the Democrats for that? <laughs> well, the, Demo- the Democrats in Charles County I'm not really sure. a couple I mean, weeks look, again, ago banned plastic I, I can't straws. argue with you. I, I can't argue. That's Sockib, I think, speaking, right? It was. Yeah, welcome back, Sockib. Um, I can't argue with your logic. You have a point here that it seems counterintuitive that Democrats are suffering after four years of the second most powerful governorship in the country being in the hands of a Republican. But for some reason, people have seemed to impute that Democrats cannot be trusted with government house in much of the state. Um, I'm not sure if you can read into that, that anything oh more than God. people just don't trust us right now on this. I, I think, I think the, look, at, look at Howard County. Donald Trump thing. Stop. You're doing this Donald <laughs> Trump thing where you say people say, people think, people think a lot of people think. That Ben Jealous can't be trusted well, in the government house. No, that's my, you. My, my, no one is saying Ben Jealous can't. I, I think he can be. No, no. Okay? I think, but no, I think no, that I'm we're speaking over the, a woman here, and I, I, I don't oh, like I that idea very that. much. No, no, no. Oh, I just, just want to get back to the, I want to get back to the results. No, no, no. You're good. Because, because I think as you're talking about, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm following because you're talking about, you know, losing the governor's race, but, you know, I think the Democrats are going to talk about, well, maybe not, maybe not publicly, but, you know, Howard County is a huge battleground that just got, I mean, and so whatever is happening in Howard County, you know, Gail Bates going down, looks like Warren Miller is going down. I mean, yep. it, Alan uh, Kittleman, you know, whatever happened there, whatever happened, I can tell you, I mean, Anne Arundel, Frederick well County, Baltimore. Yeah. Go ahead. In Howard County, well, what I can tell you, and I think Mark knows this as well as I do, is that they have the best organized local Democratic Party in the state. That central committee is full of young talent that was same to that same level, young talent's been denied a right to come on the central committee in Montgomery County um, for a while. But in Howard oh. County, they've organized incredibly well and they've done an amazing job uh, in getting their people out there. You've got Herb Smith, Shahan Risby, a couple other really brilliant young people out there working hard. And uh, more than one member of Congress has said that it's the best organized central committee in the state. Uh, so I think that's what we're seeing. 
you have a galvanized young population in Howard County that's taking the reins of the Democratic Party out of the hands of dinosaurs, and they're fighting for everybody. Well, explain to us what happened in Anne Arundel County then, um, um, since you're explaining what, since it's based on the Central Committee. You know, you know I've, I've, I, 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 I hesitate to there for one reason. I don't know Anne Arundel that well, and I don't want to say something wrong about Anne Arundel. If anyone knows that part of the state better than me, feel free to talk about it. And I'm sure you do, Mark, since you spent a lot of time out there. I think it's amazing that there are young, energetic people there on the Howard County Council. I just, I, I'm not sure how we speak with such certitude about why certain things happen when it's probably a um, range of factors. One of which is, I think the overarching reason why Republicans are getting slaughtered in Howard County and Anne Arundel County and Frederick County are because of two reasons. One of which is, the most important of which is Donald J. Trump. People wanted to come out and vote you don't against think Donald Trump. Won her race. So you don't think Sarah Elspeth won her race because she's a qualified young woman candidate who ran a good campaign for like the last year and a half? So what you part of what I just Donald said? Trump? No, no, no. I I said that Democrats are beating Republicans in Howard and Anne Arundel County up and down the ballot for a whole lot of reasons, but the one of which, and probably the most important of which is Donald J. Trump. But that does not negate the fact that we also have some kick-ass candidates. It's all a part of the stew, but we can't, we can't pretend that, like, you know, each jurisdiction is some island unto its own, and that's why it's doing so well. Maryland has a very hypercharged Democratic partisan environment this year, and you're seeing it in race after race after race. You, we just reelected a Republican governor but the Republicans are probably going to lose seats in both the state Senate and the House yeah. of Delegates. And, and again, I think it's because they don't trust us with government house. Why the voters feel that oh, way, that's, ah. that's a longer conversation where we clearly disagree. But I'm gonna speaking of which, it is 11.05, ladies and gentlemen. It okay. is 11.05, and we agreed to go for two hours, and I think all of us are anxious to check our text messages and go back to – Curiously checking over the Maryland State Election Board, and we shall return. And I think what we should do in a a week or so when we all have decompressed and take some time to ourselves. I know this weekend I'm getting out of Dodge and going to the Eastern Shore. Um, We should reassemble. Yeah, I I think we should reassemble our panel and then discuss the election results in depth and make sense of all these numbers once all the precincts come in. So, ladies and gentlemen, it was my honor, my privilege to have you on this panel tonight. Thank you for spending election night with uh, with us. I mean, it's fascinating to have uh, this CNN panel and see how it goes. The Democrats take the House. Good night. Yes. It's great. done. Good. Ryan, I would personally Good. like to thank you for giving me a great excuse not to have to decide which watch party to go to. So. Yes, amen. <laughs> Shame. Thank you so much, well, Ryan. You saved us a lot of headaches well, over here. Well, I'll tell you what. Watch parties are all the same, and it's people who are nervous, and they, they make me nervous, and they're standing around, and then you're just like, okay, the candidate won, and you chat, and you leave, and then it's just – I like being at my house, then I can go up in my bed, and then it's, everything is all better. Um, and uh, you wake up the next day, and you feel refreshed, and you know what to expect. And uh, so that's that. But, ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate the time that you spent. I appreciate all that you do for the state of Maryland. Um, each of you have contribute, contribute 
something so important to our political process, and for that we should all be grateful. Um, we should be grateful that people decided to get off their asses and go vote. Um, that is, mm-hmm. it looks like it's just huge turnout, and we'll we'll examine the numbers as they come. So um, I'm going to go ahead and sign off, and uh, thank you. Happy election night, everybody. Thank you. Happy thank election. you, everyone. God bless you, Mark. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My name is Ryan Miner. I am your host of a Minor Detail Radio podcast, where the minor details of every story matter. Each week, I talk to Maryland newsmakers, from elected officials, journalists, political candidates, to policy wonks and everyday Marylanders. A Minor Detail podcast is the fusion between Maryland news and politics. Real people, 